0: Hello, and welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. We are a community of dreamers, doubters, and seekers rooted in and around Minneapolis, seeking to be alive through the words, actions, and presence of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, however, you found us, welcome. Whether you're joining us for the first time or the 101st, we are so thankful that you'd invite us along into your day and walk the journey of being human together. Let these conversations encourage, awaken, challenge, and inspire you to live from your truest and most beloved self. So settle in, and again, welcome to Upper Room. can hear my deep breathing as I'm getting up here. We can all take a deep breath together. Wasn't that great? I thank you for to each person who was baptized for letting us bear witness to that. It's such a special thing to be able to witness and be a part of um, I was baptized in this community, and it's just a really special uh, moment to do with our community. So, um, my name is Sarah. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the pa- one of the pastors here, um, and I'm excited to be here with you tonight. And, um, you heard me taking deep breaths because this is, um, probably one of the last times that I'm going to speak in this capacity with each of you in this room in this form. Um, and that is something very special to me, so, um... I appreciate there's been a number of people praying for me this week, and I have needed those prayers, and I have felt those prayers, so thank you. Um, First things first, on your table, you are going to notice that there um, are some pieces of paper. So I want you to grab those pieces of paper and a pen, um, and I also want to make sure that you have a name tag on. So if you are sitting there and you don't have a name tag on, there are some extra name tags on the tables floating around, um, but make sure you have a name tag. And so we are going to engage in a few things during tonight's gathering where you're going to want to know the names of the people at your table and the people you're interacting with. And they are going to want to know your name. And it's always good to ask someone their name and call them by name. And Secondly, I had you grab a piece of paper. Um, my roots here at Upper Room actually started in student ministry, and I grew as a pastor and a person and as a Jesus follower tremendously when walking alongside our students and mentors on Wednesday nights. Um, and so I wanted us to partake in an activity tonight that was something that we used to do on Wednesday nights, and maybe they still do. Um, but it brings it's something that brings joy, it builds connection, and it helps build a closeness with one another. We actually do this at our staff meeting sometimes and at our lead team meetings um but before we dive into the activity I have to give credit to Grant Dunbar um I know he's not here but he might be listening I know the Dunbars are here so this is something that he brought to our group years ago and he would just be so proud to know that its legacy lives on in this capacity to take space on a Sunday night um up front and so um Grant Dunbar if you are listening to this the Dunbars please pass that along to Grant um So this is something called high, low, buffalo. And this is how it's going to work. So you're going to take a moment, and you're going to think of a high that you'd like to share. It can be something simple, like mine would be a really good coffee I had today. Um, My daughter, Dagny, is starting to walk more and more, and she's trying to run, which she can't run yet, but she's trying, and she has, like, a bunch of teeth, and they're all, like, not in yet, so her face, that would be a high, like, watching her face try new things. Um, A low, um, our dishwasher broke, and they're expensive, and... That's a low. And another low might be like, I didn't get sleep last night. You guys get it. A buffalo thing is a random thing, though. And so a random example could be like, did you know that stop signs used to be yellow? For 30 years, they were yellow. Did anybody know that in this room? Isn't that weird? I know why, but I'm not going to take time to tell you now in the gathering, so find me after, and I'll tell you. Um, But you're going to go ahead and list out your high lows and buffalos on that paper. But this is the thing. You can't do it wrong. Nothing is too big or too small. Don't overthink this and just bottom line it. So right now, take a minute. Quickly just jot down the first thing that comes to your mind, no matter how silly, stupid, big, small it is. But take a moment and write those things down. Oh, yeah, and buffalo is usually the one that people overthink. So it can also be like, I like peach iced tea. Like, it literally can be the most random thing. It doesn't have to be a fun fact either. Don't put pressure on yourself for that. So now I want you just to take a moment with the people around your table. You're just going to go around and share one of those things. And this is going to be like speed, speed, style. Like you're not going to take too long. You're just going to share one of those things around the table. So go ahead and take time at your table. Um, Share one of those things with the people you're sitting with. Go ahead and do that now. All right, so you may not be quite finished yet, but I am going to bring you back together. And now this is the thing I want you to do. Those pieces of paper, I need you to hand them all up to me. So right now, I'll pass them all up. These are going to remain anonymous. They're not going to be shared in this capacity, this piece of paper. We're not going to say, Nate Youngblood said these things or Jared said these things, but I need you to hand them all up. Yeah, and bring them up to Hannah, actually. So you're going to hand these all to Hannah. Hannah. And we're going to find out more about those later. You'll find out why I had you hand them up. But for now, we are going to actually dive into the rest of our um, message tonight. So as we hand those up, thank you for handing them up to Hannah. She's going to take all those with her. Seems like we're still collecting some. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So tonight, we are going to be going to the road, in the belly, and to the table. We're going to be spending time with Luke twenty four thirteen through 35, which is the story where Jesus appears to some disciples on the road to Emmaus. In the Gospel of Luke, you find Calliapus and a companion on a journey shortly after Jesus' death. The majority of the disciples stayed in Jerusalem, but these two found themselves needing to get out of the city. So let's take a look. Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus, came, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Calliapus, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in the last days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hope that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is a third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? In the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening the day is almost over. So he went, went, went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. So as we just read, the Emmaus story occurs days after Jesus' death, but on the same day that the women brought Spices to the tomb and found found the stone rolled away and his body nowhere to be found. Later on that day, we are here with the men walking on the road to the village of Emmaus. It's interesting. Centuries of art and preaching have led us to assume, even without thinking about it, that the two disciples were men but some Bible scholars have suggested that Calliapus' fellow traveler was his wife, Mary. They suggest the case is built by conflating the identities of Mary, mother of James, who is present at the crucifixion, and a witness of the empty tomb, and then Mary, wife of Clopas, also present at the crucifixion, and then recognizing Clopas as a variant spelling of Calliapus. These connections are well supported by church tradition dating as far back as the 2nd century. If Calliapus' wife, Mary, was in Jerusalem for Passover, her traveling back home to Emmaus with her husband afterward would have made sense, and it wouldn't have been unusual for them to be discussing what had happened and what it might all mean. She did see the tomb with her own eyes and even encountered an angel who told her, Christ is not here, he is risen. But as we are familiar with the story, she told the disciples and they doubted her. Maybe their walk back home was spent convincing her husband that Jesus was indeed alive. And then there are some scholars that write that maybe the obscurity of the second person was intentional, like Luke's failure to identify the traveler by name, or gender was inviting us to identify with that person and put ourselves directly into the story. At the end of the day, we don't know, and we're not going to spend much more time trying to figure it out. But I bring it to our attention tonight to make a point that we should be careful with our gender assumptions and always remain curious and open when reading scripture. This is a traditionally male-dominated scene, and it often plays out that way in the Bible as well. It's encouraging to highlight and celebrate the legacy of the other Mary, who is the recipient of divine revelation and a preacher of the resurrection. But back to the road. It's fitting that the story happens on a road. There are a lot of traveling, walking, stopping, and journeying in the Gospels. And the idea of the disciples being on a journey again is very fitting with the larger theme of the Gospel of Luke um, or the journey to Jerusalem. Yet there's an ironic reversal here in the main part of the Gospels. Jesus is on a journey and the question and invitation we see time and time again from him is to come and see. And we are witness to the people and their decision on whether or not um, they are going to come and see all that Jesus is up to. But here in this story... The disciples are on a journey, and they're traveling away or headed in the wrong direction, and Jesus joins them and draws near to them on the road as they are traveling. This essentially is just the interruption they needed to change the direction and perspective. Like Cleopas and Mary, we are also on a road, and Jesus is revealing himself to us. It could have already happened to you, um, or maybe you're still waiting, but you can trust that he's drawing near to each of us in this time. They are discussing the events that had just taken place, and they are very troubled. In this scripture, it says that their face is downcast. They are approached by a man who visibly can see from a distance how sad they are. But they don't know it's Jesus. It says that they were kept from recognizing him. So Jesus comes along and draws near to these disciples and into their conversation and asks what they're talking about, and they explain their version of what happened in the past few days. And there's this overall theme of disappointment. We had hoped that he was going to be the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped for something different. We had hoped it would have looked different. We had hoped it would have felt different. We had hoped we were walking a different road. We had hoped. We had hoped. We had hoped. They are disappointed. They are unfulfilled. They are confused, they are sad. They are questioning what they experienced. They are questioning what they thought was true. They are not sure what to think, believe, or do next. And all I have to say about that is same, same. And to be honest, some significant things I've been walking through this past year, and now with the closing of Upper Room, I've been left feeling the same way, of hoping something would be different than it is. And it's been really hard. And I, while I wish I could sit here and speak rally words like a cheerleader, or words that would make us feel all warm and fuzzy, first, that's not like me, if you know me. <laughs> Um, but also, I can't because I'm not even close to being there. But I can share what I have been learning about sitting in the uncomfortable, in the grief, and in the disappointment, in the in-between. Very fitting for this series that we're in. In the liminal space. I don't like this space. I much prefer certainty, control, familiarity, and predictability. But friends, that's not what a spiritual journey is. Richard Rohr had a meditation that was sent earlier in April that I continue to come back to time and time again, and it's centered around the only sign that Jesus offers. Jesus said, No sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. Matthew 12, 39. Father Richard considers what Jesus meant when he promised the sign of Jonah. Jonah. Jonah knew what God was doing and how God does it and how right God is only after emerging from the belly of the whale. Until he has first endured the journey, the darkness, the spitting up on the right shore, all in spite of his best efforts to avoid these very things. Jonah has no message whatsoever to give. Jonah is indeed a symbol of transformation Jesus found the Jonah story story inspiring, no doubt, because it described almost perfectly what was happening to him. I am learning to trust my time in the belly of the whale. I am learning how to stay here without needing to try to fix, control, or even understand what the heck is going on. I'm waiting for God to spit me up on another shore. This is the liminal space. Roar says at the end of that meditation, to hope too quickly is to hope for the wrong thing. The belly of the whale is the great, great teaching space, and it's no surprise. Jesus said it would be the only sign that he would give. So, my question for you what were you hoping for? What would it look like for you to trust the belly of the whale? So after they share their feelings and experience with Jesus, it says that he goes on to rebuke them, which sounds harsh at first. A lot of the things in the Bible, to me personally, can seem harsh, but what I've been taught by growing up here in my faith at Upper Room is that God is love, and Jesus' actions were always rooted in radical love. So I asked myself, where's the love in this next passage? He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, when I'm thick in my grief and sadness, having someone call me foolish and slow doesn't sound very loving. But what I don't want to miss here or skim over because it sounds harsh is that rebuking is confronting error or pointing out sin. And I want you to hear it's where they're missing the mark. He is loving them by telling them, hey, you are missing it. I've been there before when I am so in my ish that I need someone to jolt me out of it by speaking some truth. He then goes on to remind them of truths using something that they would know, the scriptures. And there's a reminder here to focus on the truth when we feel completely lost and confused. Jesus wants them to know that although things look hopeless and they have doubts, they only have to look towards the scripture, towards the truth to understand what will happen. And I love that thousands of years later, we are here today looking at scripture in our grief and disappointment and sadness to see where we can find truth, where we can get glimmers of hope that will help us as we journey through this time. So some questions for you. Where might you be missing it? What truth can you allow yourself to hear today? And let's not forget, they still don't know this is Jesus. And this is something I've been really racking my brain about for the past few weeks. Why don't they know? Why does it not happen until dinner time um, that they're finally shown who this man is? Why do such significant things happen at tables? He waits until they're at their final destination and are settled in, preparing to enjoy a meal before their eyes are opened. There are many people to believe that this actually parallels the discernment process for many of us. There are times we can't understand something or make sense of what's going on, and we spend time wrestling and rehashing and processing with others as it settles within our hearts. It's only when we start to allow it and let what we have experienced sink in does it become more clear to us. The disciples, when finally seeing that it's Jesus, they don't completely seem surprised at first. And it says, Were not our hearts burning within us while you talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It took time for their hearts and their heads to catch up with each other. And when it did, they knew the truth completely. And the table... Revealing himself when they're at the table. We see the table all throughout the Bible, especially in the Gospels. The table is a place of intimacy, of friendship, of fellowship, and it's even where you meet your enemies. It's a place where you can relax, settle in, and rest. The table is a regular place. It's a common fixture in most homes, and it'd be weird or feel weird if you didn't have a table. It's why we're seated here at tables tonight. Upper room, I encourage you to continue to find tables to pull a chair up and companions who will join you. As we wrap up our time tonight, I want to mark this moment together. This road we've been walking together now will go many different directions. As we leave this place, I want you to remember the presence of God your belovedness, and all that you've learned while being a part of this beloved Upper Room community. John O'Donohue says, a blessing is a circle of light around a person. Oh, so we're going to experience two blessings. I left that part out. So we're going to experience two blessings together tonight. John O'Donohue says, a blessing is a circle of light drawn around a person to protect, heal, and strengthen. And when we bless, we are somehow unable to go beyond our present frontiers and reach into the source. A blessing awakens future wholeness. We use the word foreshadow for the imperfect representation of something yet to come. We could say that a blessing forebrightens the way. When a blessing is invoked, a window opens to internal time. So I'm gonna have Hannah wherever she is. Do you still need a Do you still need one minute? Okay. So I'm gonna bring Hannah up. We're gonna do something, but in the meantime, I'm gonna share why Hannah's coming up. So Hannah's gonna come up, and we're gonna to read together a blessing over this community. And this blessing's going to hold the highs and lows and the buffalos that you shared at the beginning of our gathering tonight. And it means a lot for me to have Hannah collaborate on something with me in our final, <laughs> on our final days at Upper Room. We have worked closely together. Um, when I returned from my like year break um, at Upper Room, I left for just a year, and I came back, and we actually shared an office, and we didn't really know much about each other. Um, but we've worked closely together over the years and collaborating with her has brought me some of the greatest joy and companionship at work. When this job, we may look at light, make it look easy sometimes, but it it's hard. This job can be really hard. And so she's been a companion and a joy in my life and is a, and I get to call her her friend. So it's an honor to have her come up here with me tonight and say this blessing, um, over our community together, because, That's just how we work best is together. Um, And then after we read this blessing over you, the band's going to come back up, and there's going to be a slide on the screen with another blessing. And this blessing will be one that you speak over one another at your tables. There's oil in the center of your table, and I want you to simply pick it up and turn to the person next to you and grab their hand. And I'm actually going to do it to Hannah. So you're going to simply pick up the oil, put some on your finger, And you're going to grab their hand and offer a blessing to them while making the sign of the cross. And you're going to say, Hannah, the road you walk is sacred. Remember your belovedness. And then you're going to turn to the person next to you and you're going to bless the person next to you. But right now, before that, we wanted to get all the logistics taken care of so that we could just say this blessing over you, and then the band's going to come up and they're going to play, and during the last two songs of worship, you're going to turn to your people at your table and bless each other.
1: Feel free to close your eyes if you'd like. This is a prayer to be spoken over you. Obviously, keep your eyes open if you prefer. Blessed are you who sits in that chair. May you know that you are a beloved child of God. Blessed are you who comes into this space on Sundays looking for healing. May you continue to find new spaces where you can feel held and loved by God and community. Blessed are you who have found moments of joy this week in travel, in the extra spicy buffalo wild wings, in chocolate, in baptism, and even in beef. May you continue to remember that it is all holy. It is all sacred.
0: Blessed are you who are experiencing sadness this week. May you not feel alone. May you feel held by God, getting to be your true self and seen as your true self. Blessed are you, the upper room parent who is dealing with conflict with your teenagers. May you feel loved and surrounded by God in each of those conversations, trusting who God made you to be. Blessed are you who had to spend four hours on a Zoom call. May you be able to see joy in the little things and the patience in the long things, the things that may feel like they will never end.
1: Blessed are you who loves this community. May you continue to experience God through music, through worship, no matter what that looks like for you. Blessed are you who has built friendships here. May you trust God and give yourself grace for whatever feelings you are experiencing, not judging them, but simply letting them be. Blessed are you who gets to spend time who got to spend time outside today on bike rides and on walks. May you continue to be reminded of God's presence in nature through the beauty of both the big and the small.
0: Blessed are you who listens to this gathering virtually. May you feel seen and feel connected and known by this community, even if you can't be seen on the other side of the computer. Blessed are you, the upper room student who is dealing with all the work at school, finals, looking for what's next. May you know that God surrounds you. May you find time to slow down. May you not feel overwhelmed. Blessed are you who loves cats, squirrels, guinea pigs, dogs, and all the other animals not listed. May you continue to see God's goodness and humor in those animals and your time spent with them and watching them.
1: Blessed are we who are, at, are in this room tonight. May we be constantly reminded of our belovedness. Blessed are we, upper roomers, who are here tonight. May we feel fully loved. Blessed are we, upper room community. May we take what we do in here and let it fill the streets out there.
0: Dear God, thank you for these beautiful reminders of blessing. Bless this life. Bless the messy. Bless the beautiful. Bless the highs, the lows, and even bless the buffaloes. Amen. I'm going to invite the band back up, and we're going to take time, like I said, to bless each other around our tables. You'll see on a slide on the screen behind me um, are the simple instructions and also um, the blessing at the bottom, and I would ask that you bless each person by name, and so if you don't know the person's name and they're not wearing a name tag, just ask them their name, and you're going to say, Emily, Theo, the road you walk is sacred. Remember your belovedness.
2: No foe, sing I fear no foe, I fear no. My knees hit the ground The treasure waits within your scars This gift of freedom gold can buy I bought the world and sold my heart Here at your feet again, everything I am, reaching out, I surrender, come sweep me up.
0: Thank you for joining us in today's conversation. We are so grateful that you invite us along on your journey. No matter where you're listening from, you are a part of our community, and we'd love to get the word out to others who are walking this path as well. Some ways you can help us do that is to hit subscribe on whichever app that you listen to podcasts. Also, take a moment to leave us a review. The more positive reviews, the more we are able to get the word out and share these conversations with others who are companions on the journey. If you've been encouraged here, please consider supporting our work by becoming a monthly sustainer. Monthly giving is the best way to ensure that we can continue to provide meaningful conversations and community, both in person and online. To give in any amount, simply go to urminneapolisorg give. That's urminneapolisorg slash give. And now, wherever your day takes you, may you know that you are God's beloved. And in that truth, find yourself ever more alive in the words, actions, and presence of Jesus. Go in peace, friends.